Bodega, 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 Alpha and Omega. <coughs> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah, let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, that one? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled my mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North. It's 2 a.m. Good already this. The guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. There is a stunning amount of streamer news this week. Let me just put that out there. This was a week jam-packed of Twitch-related stories, as well as quite a few other sneak peeks of the AMD launches that we are going to be getting soon, TM. Among other things... First, though, one concerning story, but also at the same time, uh, funny in a very, very odd sort of way. Here's the headline from Engadget. Chinese hackers impersonated McAfee to attack election campaign staffers. Of all the things that you try to impersonate for your hacking attack, you choose one of the sketchiest antivirus guys out there ever. Oh, man. You know who I really actually do feel sorry for? I actually do legitimately feel sorry for those who work on McAfee and actually want it to be good. Because it's clear McAfee himself doesn't care. McAfee himself has been involved in... I'm just going to call them Florida man tier stories. The stories that are so bizarre... So unbelievable, you expected them to start with the words, Florida man. But now you have this story, now tainting the reputation of McAfee. Well, folks, here's what I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it out there. Just follow the basics. If something seems suspicious and odd, it probably is. It's just that simple. I don't care what your profession is. Campaign staffer, office drone, crossing guard. If something seems suspicious, it might be. Especially on the internet. 
The U.S. government is going to be suing Google over anti-competitive tendencies. All right, well, we'll see how this goes. Honestly, it, it I am surprised it took this long for something to finally be said. Because Google is responsible for, like, basically what you do and don't see on the internet. And it can be concerning if Google just decides that something should no longer be visible. So we'll we'll see how this goes. I doubt it's going to move too far. It's probably not going to go much of anywhere until, say, after, oh, I don't know, November 3rd? I'd say after November 3rd. That's when you'd actually start seeing some movement. Or the 4th. Uh, But what are you going to do? One thing we can count on, though, is that, you know, maybe... Google's strategy to avoiding this lawsuit is just going to be canceling search. Google does have their tendencies lately to just completely axe a service is uncanny. Like, for example, did you know there was a Google Nest security alarm system to compete with Simply Safe? Simply Safe was kind of the first into this market of uh, just selling you the home security system, having it be wireless and being super easy to set up and basically turn that entire market upside down. Then Google Nest, apparently at some point, I'm not sure when, went ahead and made a system similar. Amazon has their own department under the Ring brand that is working on a home security system. There's plenty of other ones, too, that I just can't think of off the top of my head. Ubiquity is another one, I want to say, that even though they make, like, enterprise and prosumer, and I do mean really prosumer, like enthusiast-level prosumer, Uh, networking gear, I believe they also have a uh, very over-the-top security system as well. But in any case, the fact that Google just is just gone now. If you were hoping to get, if you have a Google Nest now, I don't know what you're going to do. Because there is, of course, a... um, There is, of course, the whole infrastructure involved with it. I don't know. I guess we'll see how that goes. Now, for now, for now, to say that Google is completely out of the home security market, though, that is untrue. They did make a uh, almost five hundred million dollar investment in 
one of the long-standing home security companies, ADT, and that maybe that's going to announce us something. They originally said that that their Nest Security was going to become a cornerstone of AT of ADT's smart home offering, but since they're canceling it, it's just like why? I do not understand what you are planning, Google. Your mind is an enigma to me. It is baffling. That story is not supposed to be here. <laughs> Oh, wait, yes, it was. I lied. All right. I apologize for my bit of disorganization there. Um, A little bit behind the scenes, actually. Before I went live, literally two hours before when I start doing my final prep work, uh, all the story hunting I did the night before was gone. So I had to recreate everything at the very last minute. So... I'm a little disorganized, but we're going to push through regardless. Tesla has made its full self-driving software available to literally everyone. Which sounds great until you realize that the software is in beta. That means it's not ready for those who are unaware, that means that Tesla's consumer base is beta testing fully autonomous driving. Tesla, why? Why you do this? Why, why, why would you wake up in the morning and say, yes, everyone should have this, despite the fact it is not ready. Uh, Tesla does have confidence in this. However, needless to say, literally anyone else is not, but I guess uh, we're just gonna see. And those of us who are uh, driving on the roads constantly are gonna be uh, pretty worried when we see a uh, Tesla now. As it could just be the computer driving, and well, I mean, remember that one time when a Tesla just decided, I I, I don't think I need to stop for that semi. And then plowed right into the side of it, killing the driver. Oh boy, this is this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be a yikes, to say the least. Oddly enough, as well, Tesla reintroduced premium connectivity to users that were not supposed to have it. Apparently with a Tesla, I wouldn't know because I still have a beater Ford for a car, but I digress. Apparently Teslas have the ability to just have 
a cellular data signal going straight to the vehicle. But that is a premium option. It's still there. But you have to pay to get access to it. Which that I kind of get because there's a service involved in it. Well, a number of owners had it but weren't supposed to and that was disabled. That has been reversed. Well, okay then. That's, um, huh. I guess we'll, hmm. I'm not sure how to feel about that, to be perfectly honest. It might have had something to do with just the rollout of the self-driving software. But I got a feeling we'll probably never know. As Tesla seems to have quite the enigma of a mind. GM's cruise will soon hit San Francisco. That is their fully autonomous. I want to say it is. Uh, it's like. um. Hold on. I want to actually double check here. I want to say that is in fact their fu- fully driverless uh, taxi service. That's just basically modified Chevy bolts. Yeah, there we go. Modified Chevy bolts without anyone behind the wheel. They are going to be testing these cars. No word if they will, in fact, have passengers in them yet. So we're starting to see more and more the normal, common car manufacturers start to try and play the same game as Tesla. And that's kind of important. Because Chevy has had the fully electric Bolt for a while, but it was just a really boring car. It basically just looked like a Prius, and it was just like, hey, look at us. We're cheap and can go places, and there was no place to charge it that's one thing that tesla did right they cemented to the world hey we have a charging network wherever you go we can make sure your vehicle is charged and charge fast which then brings me to this story the rebirth of the hummer as a pickup truck So, first, I forgot the Hummer existed. Second, I forgot GM owns the Hummer brand. The Hummer, for those who are unaware, is basically a... It's basically a large Jeep, but was specifically modeled after military Humvees but not quite a Humvee because that's a military vehicle. But I digress. The the It was kind of just marketed to just be a big, obnoxious vehicle, the compensation vehicle. And the sucker, I swear, it somehow got negative six miles to the gallon. 
It was just terribly inefficient. Well, the Hummer is back as the Hummer EV. And this is going to be a dramatically more fuel-efficient vehicle, mostly on the grounds that it takes no fuel. It is a fully electric pickup truck with such interesting features as a roof you can just straight up remove all the panels for, a trunk in the front, or a frunk, a word that I absolutely hate and I wish would go die in a fire, The specs on it, though, are absurd. We've got full air suspension on it. Adjustable air suspension, too. So it can be a normal vehicle, fairly low to the ground, or elevate itself up quite significantly. The specs, though, are disgusting, if true. I have uh, some doubts. This first edition model will have 1,000 horsepower and 11,500 foot-pounds of torque. What the heck does that mean in English? Well, my car illiterate friend, I understand that you do not understand what those numbers mean. So, how about I compare that to... A vehicle someone might understand. Let's say, oh, I don't know, a semi-truck. Let's actually go ahead and grab one of the most common trucks out there in the world, the Freightliner Cascadia. You have seen this truck, whether you realize it or not, unless you do not live in the United States, in which case you've probably still somehow seen this truck. It's one of the most common semi-trucks out here in the West. On the eastern side of things, well, it's... I want to say they still roll outside of, like, Europe. But in any case, the Hummer has a 1,000 horsepower. The highest-rated Freightliner Cascadia, which, by the way, is a semi-truck, is 605 horsepower. But of course that doesn't matter on a pickup truck. The torque is what matters because that torque is what's going to allow the vehicle to really tow and really start moving from a dead stop. The Freightliner Cascadia has up to 2,050 foot-pounds of torque. Compared to the claims of the Hummer of 11,500 assuming the frame could actually hold up to an 8 to a what is it 80 ton load I forgot what the legal limit is now 40 ton 80,000 pounds 40 tons assuming it could handle a 40 tons it actually could do the work of a semi truck assuming the frame wouldn't give out That's disgusting. It's also why I have doubts that those initial numbers, because GM says this is their estimate. 
you will see. We will see. Zero to 60 in three seconds, according to their estimates. And I'm not going to lie. It is a very over-the-top, unnecessary, disgusting vehicle. Yeah, I kind of want one. Estimated of 350-mile range. The lower-end versions that will not cost over $100,000 estimated only of about 300 to 250 miles. And that's going to be the key. Getting the range. If you can't get the range on an EV, no one's going to buy it. Because let's be honest, would you buy... An $80,000 vehicle, if it could only go 250 miles and then need to charge overnight. That is a huge limitation. That really is. That instantly means any sort of road trip off the table. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. This vehicle is important because it does start getting some of the electric vehicle spotlight off Tesla. And God, Tesla needs some competition. They really, really do. And I'm not going to lie. If it's between this Hummer and the Cybertruck, this Hummer wins. A thousand percent, it wins. Also, the Cybertruck still doesn't exist, really. It's kind of stunning. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about Among Us. As well as some very, very controversial tweets coming out of a Stadia director. As well as some of the Twitch drama. We're going to be back. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. (laughs) I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There, don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Modern leaders, it's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We saved serious cash with our Progressive Home and Auto Bundle and used the money to buy a new boat. Who's ready to water ski? (laughs) This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough for a new boat. They'll probably spend it on rent or gas money or maybe one of those little plastic wading pools for the yard. Ahoy there! Is what the captain might say on the toy boat in your wading pool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Among Us actually had quite a uh, fascinating uh, hack happen to them. Apparently a hacker by the name of Eris Loris decided to set up a bot that would enter in random Among Us games that were public, spam messages, leave, and the way they did it somehow left all the players that were in that lobby just gone in the void and there was nothing they could do except force quit the game this has now since been fixed as the developers inner sloth said they were super aware of the problem and said that they would be doing an emergency server update to deal with the hack So, uh, woo! That's, uh, very interesting. So the bot would then just go in and just try to pimp out the hacker's YouTube channel, and then on top of that, would just start spouting other such gibberish. The hacker then also went out and said that people have donated a number of servers to pull off the hack, including some that had upwards of 32 CPU cores to pull off this. Why? I I just, I do not understand. I actually don't understand why people would just go into a public lobby of Among Us. Maybe I'm missing out. Maybe it's maybe I'm just missing out on something and I'm in the dark. I've always found it much, much better to do Among Us with people you know and using a voice chat service to do it. Maybe that's just me. In any case, I found it absolutely fascinating. Almost as fascinating as U.S. Representative... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez deciding to jump into the Twitch realm and stream Among Us for over 400,000 viewers. This is kind of one of those moments bro. I gotta ask don't you have better things to do? And also, of all the games, Among Us? It's a politician playing Among Us. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek said that a politician is pretty much just a professional liar. Wouldn't every round just be vote out politician?
that's just how that would come off to me. Uh. I don't know. I'm I'm just there, there's just something weird about saying that uh that politicians of all people are now starting to get into the streaming game. Especially this close to an election, especially since on Twitch it's kind of almost an unwritten rule. You just don't talk about politics. You notice, as I am talking about this story right now, I am doing everything in my power to not bring anything the politician has done in the Congress up as a part of the story. Specifically because of that, and also because I try to keep this podcast as politically neutral as possible. I don't know. I know. I mean, there is a reason why it's done. To try and draw as much attention to the fact that there's a big election going on in the U.S. Which, honestly, by this point, if you somehow, somehow are unaware of this, I want to know what your secret is. Because I am legitimately jealous. All right, let's talk about something way Way more important. Twitch's new software. Twitch calls it Soundtrack by Twitch. What this thing is, it is an amazing piece of software, you guys. It's basically a super glitchy version of Pandora in which you basically cannot select any tracks you actually want to listen to and just select genres, and it just picks it picks tracks from its database at random and saying that this is the solution for Twitch streamers to have music while they're streaming that won't get flagged for copyright. Wow, a database of nothing but copyright-free music? Yeah, except there's copyright music in it. I am serious. There is copyright music in Soundtrack by Twitch. So you'd think, oh, it's okay, though. It's okay. It's okay. Because if it's on, if it's on there for Twitch, that means that those artists and that record labels have given express permission to have it be streamed on Twitch, right? Well, it's quite possible. It is quite possible. However, you know what Twitch says is the reason that this is the solution? All right. So before I get into bigger details, let me tell you how music is played on Twitch. And this is actually how I and almost everyone else does it we have a player in my case it is either my chat bot or and i know it's going to sound weird itunes and have that software play the music 
and it goes into a sound channel into my mixer, which then goes into OBS, and then you all hear it. The same sort of thing happens with this podcast when it comes to the soundboard. Sound goes to mixer, mixer goes to OBS, OBS goes to your earballs. What Soundtrack by Twitch does is that you need to enter on OBS a unique element and it'll put the music directly into OBS and specifically what it'll do is that it'll play that music while you're live but then automatically not have that music appear in the past broadcast on Twitch or in clips. That's the solution. Which, by the way, is kind of clever. But there's a couple of problems with this approach. One, the problem with copyright is that is with DMCA, DA, DMCA takedown requests. You can issue a DMCA takedown request on a live stream. So already, this software and everything it does that's unique is immediately gone because you can issue a DMCA takedown request on a currently existing live stream. The other problem is that if you have an advanced setup, like I do, that has a mixer, unique elements, a compressor, and all this other fancy stuff, multiple different sound channels, it borked with my stuff so bad, I'm not even kidding, when I installed Soundtrack by Twitch, it crashed every single one of my sound drivers. I had to reboot my entire system to get my sound drivers back. I was actually legitimately afraid that night I was not going to be able to record a podcast because my entire night was going to be spent uninstalling that and then reinstalling every single sound driver I have on this system again. Fortunately, that didn't happen. The other thing is that I could not get it to actually put the music through the correct channel. Soundtrack by Twitch, at least on a setup like mine, which, granted, is somewhat complicated, but nowhere near as complicated as other streamers out there. It's literally just, I have a Shure SM7B microphone, it's connected to a GoXLR mixer, which is an all-in-one mixing device. And that's connected to computer. That's it. And for whatever reason on this setup, Soundtrack by Twitch just couldn't even see its own plugin and pump its own sound into that plugin. Now, in fairness to Twitch, this software is in beta. However, I want to present to you a timeline. 
And you can take this timeline however you want. All right? Monday, the beta comes out for Soundtrack by Twitch. All right? You can now you can now have full access to it. It's now full it was fully out. Everyone could everyone could go use it on I want to make sure. Yes, October 9th, 19th. All right. Literally, not even kidding. Literally, the next day, a very troubling email went out to a large number of Twitch affiliates and Twitch partners. I personally, because I go on my way to avoid copyright, because I've already been down that song and dance with YouTube, did not get one. Or if I did, it was so buried in my junk mail folder, I never saw it. However, an anonymous Twitch partner did send me a copy of their email, and I'd like to read it to you. Dear anonymous Twitch partner, this is a warning notification regarding a claim of copyright infringement on your Twitch account. Please read this email carefully as it contains important information about the options you have going forward. Several months ago, we began to receive an influx of notifications of copyright infringement, commonly referred to as a Digital Millennium Copyright Act, or DMCA, takedown notification directed at the music in the background of previously recorded content, including years-old clips and VODs. Let me interject. A VOD, for those who don't know what that is, it it is an acronym for Video On Demand. This is a pre-recorded video that is then uploaded to Twitch. VODs also refer to as the previously streamed content on your channel. For example, on my channel, the only VODs you're going to find are either my past broadcasts or if I know I'm going to be away for a while, I will upload some of the unique content I do for YouTube and that will appear as a VOD. And then I'll have that play it in rerun format if I know I'm going to be gone for a while. So at least there's something on my channel that's new and unique. That's what they're talking about here. The email continues. We deleted the content identified in these notifications in accordance with our obligations under the DMCA. Let me interject. So Twitch went ahead and just without telling you without warning you this was going to be happening at all, didn't hide it, didn't give the creators any kind of chance to go and download their VODs, their past broadcasts, their anything, and just deleted them without telling you. I am I am not even kidding. Another streamer that's out there, another fellow RPG streamer, Goes by the name of Phenomenon. He is a big, big retro guy. Goes out of his way to put on a good show. 
but he uses a lot of copyright music during his breaks. He tries to actually have it be like a late night radio show sort of aesthetic, which, by the way, is a very nice touch. And I wish I thought of it first, but I didn't. But that means that pretty much every single legacy piece of work he has done is at risk of being downloaded. Literally me and almost a dozen other people went out and tried to help him quickly download every single piece of content he had and hold it for safekeeping because all of a sudden now we have an email from Twitch saying, by the way, we've been deleting your stuff without telling you because of copyright claims from someone they still have not told us who. The email continues. Due to the sudden increase of these notifications, we have temporarily paused processing certain notifications as it relates to our repeat infringer policy to ensure creators had the tools and resources to manage their recorded content and make informed decisions about music use in the future. This part of the email is bold and italicized. We are writing to inform you that your channel was subject to one or more of these DMCA takedown notifications and that the content identified has been deleted. We recognize that by deleting this content, we are not giving you the option to file a counter notification or seek a retraction from the rights holder. In consideration of this, we have processed these notifications and are issuing you a one-time warning to give you the chance to learn about copyright law and the tools available to manage the content on your channel. Let me interject! Really, Twitch? Really, Twitch? You want to go out there and say, we are doing you a favor by deleting your life's work, to, by going ahead and deleting your cha- your career's history. Not going to give you a chance to go ahead and try to salvage any of it, to go ahead and see where the heck you went wrong. Just that a, a mysterious force out there. We don't even know who the record label was that issued these these infringements for all we know it's some freaking patent troll that made a bot impersonating someone just saying it's my stuff that's too far-fetched you say well you my friend are unaware of the nonsense that goes on twitch there are even times on uh, uh not on twitch on youtube there is actually a Musician on YouTube known as the Fat Rat. I actually use some of his music here. He specifically says, You can use my music. I don't care. Just give me the credit that I'm the one who wrote the music. And he's been very adamant about that. You are more than welcome to use his music on YouTube. You are more than welcome to u- use his mu- music on Twitch. You are more than welcome to use, use his music. Just give credit and support him, and I say, good on that guy. Good on the fat rat. People have actually tried, but the whole DMCA trolling 
has been so bad that people try to claim they are the fat rat. And then DMCA takedown notice the source song from the fat rat. They tried to claim that some of his most popular music isn't his and DMCA claim it. This isn't theoretical. That has happened. My personal favorite actually is some of the stuff that's happened to me on YouTube with people trying to claim that some of the footage that I have is theirs and that some of the music used is theirs and it's not. They're trying to copyright claim the video game track and under the DMCA if it is part of the original track of the video game and as long as you are in fact providing unique commentary it is not a legitimate claim. It falls under the free use clause of the DMCA and you can counterclaim that. An argument can actually be made if you are, say, commenting about a track that you're playing. Like, let's say I was playing, um, let's say I was playing, like, 30 minutes of down with, or not 30 minutes, uh, 30 seconds of disturbs down with the sickness while ranting about some of the problems with coronavirus in the world. That can fall under fair use. Because you are, in fact, using a chunk of the track as part of a parody. That is legal. A lot of the record companies still try to claim that it's not. So to just straight up delete content... At pretty much at will. I don't even think that Twitch even understands what they are messing with here. You know what the best part is? I have five pages of this email and we're through one and a half pages of it. The email continues. We know that copyright law and the DMCA are confusing. Over the past few months, we've been improving the tools available to help you manage music in your live and recorded content. Oh, yeah. You totally have, Twitch. No, you haven't. That is not a solution. At all. But I digress. These include the ability to delete all your clips at once and control who can create clips on your channel. Scanning new clips with Audible Magic and launching a free way to stream high-quality music on clips on your channel. Oh, I'm sorry. On your channel. Soundtrack by, soundtrack by Twitch, which I just talked about. It's awful. Don't do it. Now that all these tools have been released to all creators, we will resume normal processing of DMCA takedown notifications received after 12 noon PST on Friday, October 23rd, 2020. 
To avoid receiving a DMCA takedown notification for recorded content that remains on your channel, we recommend you take the following action. One, review your clips, VODs, and any other content in your creator dashboard and delete anything that includes unlicensed copyright material. If you are unsure about the contents of your art archive, you can delete all of it. Visit our help page and learn more about managing VODs and clips. Two, join the Creator Camp live learning session on Wednesday, October 21st at 2 p.m., which, by the way, I totally missed. I don't care. 2 p.m. PST. We'll provide an overview of our music guidelines and discuss recent product updates that make it easier to protect your channel and answer questions from chat in real time. Three, review Twitch's DMCA guidelines, community guidelines, and music guidelines. To avoid receiving DMCA takedown notifications based on future content, we recommend you do the following. One, obtain necessary rights from all music included on your stream, Monster Cat Gold, and Soundstripe examples of services that offer membership options for music licensing. Two, download the beta version of... Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to not... I'm just not going to say that. Do, just don't do that. Do, do not do option two. Do not download the beta version of Soundtrack by Twitch, a tool that gives you free access to globally created music that will play during your stream but won't transfer to VODs or clips. This is a terrible idea because, as I just said, D DMCA takedown notices can be issued on live channels, and it's only a matter of time until it's actually finally done. Three, limit who can create clips, new clips of your streams in your stream settings. Don't do option three either. If you like streaming and actually want to grow, do not under any circumstances do that. That is dumb. Just do the first option. Overview what you play as far as music. It is an option that I looked at long, long ago, and I recommend other creators do the same and also know what you can and can't get away with. Anyway, let's actually finish the email. We respect the intellectual prop property rights of creators and copyright holders and take allegations of copyright infringement seriously. Remember that if you include unauthorized copyright material, including music, in your content, you are at risk of receiving a DMCA takedown no notification from rights holders. Check out Berkman Center and Copyright Alliance. For more information about DMCA notice and takedown procedures, be please be aware that Twitch maintains all policy of termination of the accounts of repeat infringers. Pursuant to this policy, your account is subject to termination if, in the future, we receive qualifying DMCA notifications that target your content in the absence of proper counter notifications from you or retraction by the rights holder. Sincerely, Twitch staff. That is the email I have received from an anonymous Twitch partner. Based on other snippets that people have posted all throughout Twitter, I have no reason to question the legitimacy of this email. On top of that, the actual Twitch partner themselves that provide it to me, I do trust fully. So with that said, 
I do gotta wonder why Twitch. Why have you decided to handle this in quite easily the most irresponsible manner possible? Why have you decided to withhold information? Because the thing is, when it comes to, to the DMCA, Twitch is not the broadcaster. Us streamers are the broadcaster. Twitch is just the platform. Which is also why a number of people have been saying, well, Twitch just needs to make a blanket license thing and shell out millions of dollars for it. They can't. They just simply can't. And Facebook tried that before, and uh, that didn't go well for them either. You still get DMCA takedown notices on Facebook, despite the fact Facebook shelled out millions, close to billions of dollars for their blanket music license. But there's still such stringent limitations that it just doesn't matter at all. Basically, Facebook just applied just basically paid a bunch of money to make sure that fair use can still happen. Which, by the way, fair use is legally allowed under it. Smooth. Very smooth. (sighs) But that's what it is. Like I said, if you are a streamer out there, I cannot stress this enough. Just go through what's referred to as copyright-free material or look at independent services, Monster Cat being one, that does offer you to pay for a tier to have a broadcasting license of their music. The answer is not going to come from Twitch because it can't come from Twitch. Both because A, Twitch's solution is a buggy mess that, by the way, this is another thing that just drove me nuts with Twitch's software. If you click the X to X out on both Soundtrack by Twitch and the Twitch desktop app, which, by the way, is the curse add-on manager as well, The X doesn't close it. It minimizes it. You actually have to force quit the nonsense in order to get it to close. I need to uninstall Soundtrack by Twitch. The more and more I talk about it, the more and more I, I question its existence on my computer. Ugh. But again, I cannot stress this enough. Go get whatever music player you want. Fubar is probably the most popular one I see being used. The only reason I use iTunes is because I'm lazy. And that iTunes is a built-in sound equalizer. Fubar. 
freaking Windows Media Player or Groove. Go get tracks that you like, that fit your aesthetic, that sound good to you, that you think fits your theme, and that most importantly has a copyright on it that allows you to stream it. And the reason I phrase it that way is because technically even copyright-free music still has a copyright on it. It's just phrased in a way that if you rebroadcast it, you're not in legal trouble. There was another one that a uh, that one of the uh, Twitch help desk YouTubers kept promoting stream beats there's another one too i actually haven't looked at stream beats at all i have no idea how good their stuff is but that's my advice again if you're holding out for twitch to go and dump some staggering amount of money for a blanket license it's not gonna happen because it legally can't happen Because Twitch is not the broadcaster. You are. Just remember that. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about Mr. Alex Hutchinson. And how he has even less of a clue of how Twitch works. Than Twitch has any idea how copyright works. With round-the-clock protection at a great price, your progressive policy works the way it's supposed to, unlike this unenthusiastic hype man. Okay, everybody, let's make some noise. Put your hands up. Or not. It's your call. Here we go now. Here we go. Switch to progressive today. It is electric in here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. I want to talk about probably the king of hot takes for the year. A Mr. Alex Hutchinson. Of which, after the entire Twitch DMCA takedown notice that was kind of debunked. Also, or not debunked, but um, borked up. Also, by the way... uh. Twitter, if you're listening, a uh, new feature that I would totally love for you to add, the ability to just hide the what's happening column on the right side. That'd be super swell because I want to sit here and actually talk about this guy's freaking hilariously bad tweets 
and I've got political news on the freaking right side, and it's driving me knocking futz. But I digress. Mr. Alex Hutchinson, who is, in fact, a creative director of Stadia, had this to say. Streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. Did you just imply that streamers pirate their content? Excuse me! Ah, but he followed up with another tweet. The real truth is that the streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. So, this can go a number of ways. So, technically, and this has been a big controversy for, I'd say, this is actually much bigger, like 15 years ago. Technically, you don't own your games. You are purchasing a license to use that game. This really, this sort of mentality really took off when Steam first launched. And it's like a legal technicality sort of thing that really sounds much worse on paper than it is in reality. But it's pretty much what we've now just all accepted and pretty much only a handful of us still grumble about it to this day. The other way to look at this is when, say, we'll say a radio station gets music that they can rebroadcast they pay a large fee called a broadcaster's license to the label company for the music they use. And this license costs, you know, usually somewhere in the five-digit range. Sometimes they go into the six-digit range. But usually five digits. Is Mr. Hutchinson implying... That say, for example, a streamer should be paying Fall Guys something like $20,000 to stream Fall Guys. Now, on this same sort of paper, you could try arguing, oh, hey, well... In the, in the example of a radio station, radio stations pay this large amount, but they're offering exposure. What do streamers offer? They offer giving away everything in the game. That might apply in the case of single-player games. Like, for example, I, as a Twitch streamer, 
do stream a lot of single player games. However, I go out of my way to pick older ones, ones that people have most likely played. Specifically because people tune in to my stream to watch me either rage about the game, make fun of the game, have fun with the game, or just react to something really weird about it. In fact, actually, one game that hurts heavily on paper from streaming is a game series called Danganronpa. A single-player game that really has no replay value whatsoever. Once you've played the game once, you know everything that's going to happen because it is 95% story and 5% gameplay. It's just the truth. Once you play Danganronpa once, you're never going to play it again at a higher difficulty because you already know what's going to happen. You already know who's going to make it and who's not. But it's a very popular streamer game. Why? Specifically for the reason I just said. Everyone wants to tune in to see reactions. And then, of course, when people who haven't played the game tune in and see, wow, you're playing this really weird game. Wow, you're investigating a murder. What the heck are you doing? Just like, oh, it's called Danganronpa. You really shouldn't watch, though. Go, go play it. You'll have a good time. Trust me. But of course, in things like the art world, exposure is laughable. That may be true. Like, for example, me saying as a Twitch streamer to an artist saying, hey, you should go make me this emote and I'll go promote you. I'll, I'll pay you with exposure. That is heavily frowned upon because there's no way my, ex- my exposure can ever repay them for their time. However, in the streaming world, exposure for a game pays in spades. For example, Among Us is by far the biggest example of how a game has gone from being known by very few and basically making their costs back with maybe a little bit extra so that they could pay the rent to the period, biggest period, game period, out there period, ever period. Among Us right now, pretty much everyone plays it. Everyone probably at some point has played a game of Among Us, all because a handful of streamers decided Hey, there's this game that's, it's not even, it's, the best part is it's not even a new game. It's a game that is a couple years old. But because a handful of streamers decided, hey, we're going to bring light to this game. Tons upon tons upon tons upon tons of people are playing it. It went from about 200 people concurrently playing it to millions
the developers even saw the popularity and decide, and they were actually working on it among us too. They axed among us too, and instead said, we are going to be putting our efforts into among us one to keep the popularity alive. That is the kind of power streamer influence has. And honestly, what I absolutely love about this guy, and this was actually brought up to me first by the Linus Tech Tips crew, Mr. Alex Hutchinson, who, by the way, no longer has his position at Stadia listed, he has on his Twitter profile a picture of Savage Planet. It was actually a piece of fan art that was originally drawn for YouTuber Jacksepticeye. This was fan art for Jacksepticeye. He just has it as his Twitter banner. And oh, by the way, for a bonus, he cropped it so that the signature of the artist is also missing. Slow freaking clap. Are you kidding me? Really? Uh, since then, uh, Stadia has realized that this guy is uh, kind of dumb and has distanced itself from the creative director's comments. Smooth. Simply smooth. Yet, needless to say, the guy has no idea how streaming and the gaming world actually works, despite the fact that he has worked on Savage Planet, Far Cry 4, Assassin's Creed 3, Spore, Sims 2 City, and apparently this very popular game called Etc., We may never know, though, what that wonderful game, etc., is. Apparently, Apple also did not like the Stadia Creative Director's uh, comments either because they decided the day before those comments were made to remove custom browser support from iOS that actually allowed Stadia streaming on their platforms. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, no. This is clearly just Apple being Apple. So, yeah, uh, there was a loophole on iOS devices to play Stadia. If you wanted to do that to play Stadia's six games for some reason. But uh, that's been patched. You now no longer can do that. And Stadia is now still going to have to submit their app the normal way. And by that, I mean their, their apps, plural, since... On iOS, you have to submit an app for each individual game. You cannot release a single app to have access to their entire catalog. 
at least for Stadia, it's going to be really easy since Stadia only has negative three games. Meanwhile, Microsoft had a brilliant idea. And in fact, I'm, I'm actually serious. This actually is a brilliant idea when it comes to cloud gaming. So for the next gen, Microsoft has a $500 tower PC clever, or uh, console cleverly disguised as a tower PC as well as also a normal size console with an exhaust fan cleverly disguised as a speaker for $300. It honestly is a very fascinating approach to the next gen, already having a low-end and a high-end version of the same console. But what if you don't have $300? What if you want a cheaper alternative? Well, you see, part of the Xbox service you can pay for includes xCloud, the ability to game on cloud hardware on multiple different devices. Well, what if you could get a small HDMI stick that also has access to xCloud? Phil Spencer was hinting at this kind of idea, a xCloud stick, which I'm just guessing. I think I even said this on the early bird briefing that may or may not have aired yet. That um, I would suspect a device like this is going to be like $50 controller included. And then all you'd be doing is just paying for the cloud streaming service for, I forgot what it is for xCloud. I want to say like 10 or 20 bucks a month. And if you want to talk about the super tight budget gamers, that is brilliant. Since of course on consoles, you still have to pay a monthly subscription anyway to play online. Well, heck, just upgrade to the tier that has xCloud in it as well. And then now you don't have to pay three or five hundred dollars up front. It's actually shockingly brilliant, assuming, assuming that XCloud can do streaming better than Stadia did, assuming you actually have capable internet. Now, of course, someone like me, I'm not going to do it. There's no way you can convince me to go for a cloud gaming service when I would much, much rather, for some insane reason, to go grab a PC doomed to be thrown out, throw in a respectable graphic card and say, I I am PC gamers. Then again, at the same time, my freaking scrapyard PC streaming setup here has been holding up very, very well. Which honestly is kind of funny since everyone just sees super expensive mic and then behind the curtain is just nothing but stuff you'd see in a recycling bin. And that amuses me greatly. We're going to take a break here when we come back. 
I want to talk about the video service that basically never launched. And also how AMD is scheduled to absolutely kill it. We saved big money with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the cash to take a family vacation. To Hawaii. Who's up for a luau? Yay! This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough to go to Hawaii. They'll probably use it for things like the mortgage and groceries, or even a travel magazine, so at least they can see pictures of Hawaii. Aloha! (laughs) Yes, say hello to those beautiful Hawaiian beaches in that magazine. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Modern leaders. It's not just their ability to reason that we value, or their eloquence, It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Minecraft has announced that uh, the old Minecraft account services are is going to soon be no more. And that you are going to have to set up a Microsoft account in order to sign in to Java Edition Minecraft. This honestly is not too much of a surprise. Some people are thinking, oh, your god this is just like facebook all over again oh my god as you, you know what it is this is freaking microsoft saying look there's a 10 year old server over there its fans are making weird noises Let's freaking consolidate our services and turn and turn the dying server off. It, it, it's been long enough, guys. I I honestly do not see the problem here. I I really don't. And I think it is perfectly fine, especially since you can just fully migrate your server your services over. And unlike Facebook, when they took over Oculus, Microsoft did not promise that that oculus would be able to i mean that minecraft would be able to operate completely autonomously this is clearly just a move of microsoft combining services and it is probably for the best queeby aka not vine but we're going to try and pretend that we can be vine is a service that I think existed for all of two hours and then died. I'm not going to lie. I only saw it on a freaking. What even was it? It was like a random. It was a commercial on like a random video I saw on the internet. I think it was from Archer. And like its whole purpose was going to be like short videos and you could just watch them on the go. And then the virus TM came in 
and no one was watching stuff on their phone anymore, mostly because no one had any reason to. They, they were trapped at home and could watch stuff on TV. And of course, there are plenty of other short video formats out there, like, oh, I don't know, Instagram stories, YouTube stories, YouTube in general, Twitter for some reason, and many, many others. It basically got no traction. It tried to get itself out there. Oh, and TikTok, I guess, too. And it just went nowhere. Rest in peace, Queeby. We barely knew you. Because we literally, literally barely knew you. Amazon has decided that they have a brilliant idea. They are going to pay you to send you pictures of receipts from retailers that are not Amazon. Now, if you don't think about this at all, you're thinking, sweet, I'm in. Free money is free money. And then you start thinking, then you need to ask yourself pretty much just one word. Why? And then you just start realizing just how awful this is. So the only reason Amazon would want you To tell them why you went to someone else is basically to go, what kind of products did you get from someone else? What are you buying? And then you you start thinking, okay, once they do that, then what? Well, back in the day, Amazon used to be a marketplace where people could just sell whatever they want. But since then, your phone then starts ringing in the middle of a podcast, and then you have no idea who it is because the number is restricted, and then you go, oh, okay, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. Anyway, with that distraction out of the way, the only reason that Amazon would really want to know why you went to someone else's know what those items are. And back in the day, Amazon was a basically a general marketplace. Anyone could sell anything. But as of recently, Amazon started making their own products. You have the Amazon Basic line. So now they want to know what is everyone getting? How much are they paying for it? And that's what we got to try and make ourselves and be that much cheaper. That's kind of dirty, if you ask me. I'm I'm not a fan of this this uh this program. It feels very 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 dirty. Almost as dirty as me taking that scam call earlier in the middle of this podcast that I didn't record and just wasting their time because they because they had the gall to ask me what my credit card number was. 
Actually, that guy's still dirtier than Amazon. But I digress. We have some leaked benchmarks of the next-gen Ryzen 5000 series processors. And these leaked benchmarks from Passmark show the Ryzen 5 5600X. This is going to be like the the sweet spot golden budget CPU. That's going to be like a six-core part with the highest clock speed. This is going to be the one that's going to be the gaming CPU out of AMD. There are, of course, going to be higher-end ones with more CPU cores and more future-proofing, but this is going to be the one that's going to be six cores and the highest clock speed. It straight up beats out the Intel Core i9-10900K, which is the current king of gaming CPUs. Keep in mind, the the 10900K is a $550 part. The 5600X will be launching for $300. For almost half the price. It beats it out. Granted, at fewer cores. But it still beats it out. That is absurd, assuming this benchmark is correct. MSI has confirmed that their 400 series motherboards will receive Ryzen 5000 support. So those of you who went Team Red earlier can upgrade to this new Ryzen 5000 CPU that really seem to have just kind of come out of nowhere with the amount of gaming power it's going to have and just blow us all the way and you're going to have that support no problem at all. What's even more interesting, there are some leaked benchmarks out there that no one is sure if they're accurate or not, but it shows the next... AMD Radeon CPU, and keep in mind, Radeon has been a GPU brand that has gone nowhere slowly. But it shows the Radeon RX 69, nice, 100 XT, beating out the NVIDIA RTX 3080. And that's currently NVIDIA's flagship GPU. If these benchmarks are correct, and I want to stress that, if these benchmarks are correct, holy cow, AMD has gone from the butt of PC gaming jokes, and in just four or five years, now become a force to be reckoned with even against NVIDIA, a company that has been pushing itself harder and harder and harder every single year. Fortunately, though, we won't have to speculate too much longer. The announcements are next week. 
We're also getting some early benchmarks of the 3070, and it also, according to these leaked benchmarks, are going to be better than the 2080 Ti. And also, can I just say, we finally got a back look of the 3070 card, the Founders Edition version. It's also going to have a pass-through design for airflow, which is going to make case designs very, very interesting, to say the least. I am actually like, like the 3070, we, we can all dream of having an RTX 3080. We can all dream of having a 3090. I'd love to say, hey, I went ahead and spent $1,500 on a GPU and I can do 8K gaming barely. You're not. You won't. Let's be honest. Most people are eyeing up the RTX 3070 and eventually the RTX 3060 when it exists for cards to put in their system because it's going to be great performance and actually affordable. I want to see these benchmarks and I very, very, very much want to see what AMD can do because if they can actually bring some pressure to NVIDIA, that means the already fairly resp respectably priced RTX 3000 series cards might get even cheaper, which is really going to be great for those of you out there who have been desperately trying to get one of these cards only to find out that for whatever reason, NVIDIA cannot make enough of them. And for those of you who were concerned of the rumored NVIDIA RTX 3080 20 gigabyte edition and RTX 3070 16 gigabyte edition, a report says that these cards that never officially existed will officially never exist. To which I say, good! These were terrible ideas. Terrible, and NVIDIA, NVIDIA should feel bad that these were even thoughts for a while. Not that it matters a whole lot. They never existed. And on top of that, they can't seem to make en enough normal 3080s and 3070s. Why add more variants that will not be made fast enough? Xiaomi has decided that the world needed an 80-watt wireless charger in order to get a phone from 0 to 100% in 19 minutes. In a related story, Xiaomi also hates batteries and wants to see them get stress test into oblivion so you can buy a phone that much faster as well. I made that last part up. But that's kind of what the what these high watt chargers are basically saying. Holy cow! This mashable the mashable site just suddenly became a full page freaking ad to go sign up for the newsletter. Why? Why do you do this to me? <sighs> this is why. People are preferring video or audio-based news sources because print ones in the middle of reading suddenly put up a full-page ad so that they can steal your freaking email. 
But yeah, look, high wattage chargers are great and all. But the faster you pump this power into a battery, the faster it starts losing a charge and the faster it dies. Just always keep that in mind. Samsung is potentially going to be launching their next Galaxy S series phone in January, of which I hope the new feature is going to be a price tag that doesn't make me want to punch a kitten. Save the kitten, Samsung. Please don't launch a $1,000 plastic phone. That's all I want. A lot of speculation right now, though, rather than on the price, is about whether the blasted phone is going to be called the Galaxy S21 or the Galaxy S30. Here's what I actually want to know. What feature could they add that would actually make the phone a compelling reason to buy? Like, real talk. What would be the feature of features? I'm holding in my hand here a Galaxy S10. It has USB-C fast charging. It has wireless charging. It has a very good rear camera. It has a pretty good front-facing camera. A nice screen. A fingerprint reader built into the screen. A headphone jack. A headphone jack. Some pretty good speakers. Also a headphone jack. Did I mention a headphone jack? Because I'm willing to bet this phone won't. Really the only thing I'm missing out on with this two-year-old phone is 5G. That's it. I'm just going to put it out there, Samsung. You really are going to need to make sure you focus heavily on actually including important features. By making your front-facing exit wound of a camera smaller is not going to convince a user like me with a two-year-old phone to upgrade. Especially since whatever phone you launch is not going to have a headphone jack. So if I say did go ahead and take a scam call and want to hook it up to my mixer so that everyone could hear it, I could do that. It's just, it's harder and harder, especially since performance on these phones is still very good. But that was one thing I noticed with the iPhone announcement. Apple tried to pitch hard that they had the fastest CPU ever. Yeah, that's great and all, but 
what relatively modern phone feels slow? Seriously? Yeah, okay, you have a 5 nanometer cutting edge mobile CPU. Okay, neat, but... Does it mean I can launch Facebook faster? Does it mean I can launch Twitter faster? Because it's already up now. There's really not much of a benefit on limited use cases like a phone for that higher performance. It's a very hard, compelling argument, especially since a company like Samsung really did knock it out of the park with the Galaxy S10. Like, if anyone goes ahead and says, hey, I'm looking for an Android phone, what would I get? I'd recommend this phone, even though it's two years old. It's got high water resistance, great camera, all the features you'd ever want, and a headphone jack. Whoa! What are the odds? Not that that really stopped anyone. The iPhone 12, despite its biggest features being 5G and a strange, they're not being very clear about it, more shattered resistant screen than normal. It sold out at twice the rate of the iPhone 11. The pro demand was also higher than expected, according to 9to5Mac. Now, granted, the pro mode also has that LiDAR scanner and also verifications on its camera. So that apparently the camera is even better. So if you're a vlogger, the pro is probably going to be the way to go. And I'm not going to lie. If I had to go switch phones, I would be tempted as well to go back to an iPhone. I would be tempted. I'm not, though. Mostly because, like I said, this Galaxy S10 is still kicking. Still kicking really well. I don't have a reason to switch off my my S10 unless I go ahead and drop it or I go ahead and get a 600-watt charger to go charge it faster or something stupid like that. Which is why I think these high refresh rate cameras are being pitched or um, high refresh rate cameras. These high charge rate chargers are being pitched so hard. I'm just saying. Let's get into some weirder stories to close up shop here. Microsoft's exploring VR haptics with a wrist mounted gadget. While you're in VR, you can have these controllers mounted on your wrist. And if you say grab onto something, it will move up this ball to then fit into your hand so you can physically feel something in your hand as you're interacting with an object in 
VR. I'm not going to lie. This is interesting. I I still have I still don't own a VR set, so I still don't know how good it's going to feel. It's just a very fascinating concept that we're going this far out of our way to make VR as real as possible. I cannot wait until VR just becomes so advanced. You got to get up into like an electronic wire mess snowsuit sort of thing in order to experience VR proper, which brings us to the last burb, the last story of the day. The weirdest story of the week. A bot orders upwards of $18,000 worth of mixed Sundays every 30 minutes to find out if the blasted ice cream machine at McDonald's is out of order or not. I always thought this was just like a weird coincidence back when I was younger and wanted wanted like a shake that the freaking shake machine and the ice cream machine it just it always seemed like the first thing that either McDonald's would shut down or is just surprisingly out of order. Well, apparently it's more than just me since this bot goes ahead and tries to place these orders every minute to see if I'm sorry every 30 minutes they say every minute down here but the headline says every 30 minutes anyway placing these orders constantly and then I'm hoping canceling them so that the guy doesn't go broke just to see if the ice cream machine is out of order or not i i got i'm not gonna lie that is some dedication to get some fast solid five out of ten ice cream folks that's gonna do it for this episode of eagle eyes on tech thank you so much for listening and i do encourage you check out my twitch page twitch.tv slash eagle falcon and also the daily podcast we have a daily micro-sized version of this podcast that airs every single morning called the Early Burb Briefing that airs wherever you found this podcast, except at Twitch because I don't record them live. Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, literally just about every single podcasting platform out there. Take care, rest well, and I hope you have a great day.
Okay, oddly enough, as I'm like trying to think of a witty line to close out on after the credits, we actually have a uh, a what I who I suspect is a McDonald's employee actually come in and say it's not that they break down easily, but they have to empty it out and clean it regularly throughout the day. But oh, I'm sorry, throughout the, that has to be done at night. However, what often ends up happening is that the night shift is often lazy and just doesn't do it. So in the middle of a shift, they have to take it out and clean it so that whatever's gone bad in it is not served to people. So once again, this proving the mentality I've had when talking with gas station workers, whenever there's a problem, it's always the night shift. Always 100% of the time. I saved big money with the Progressive Home and Auto Bundle, so I finally bought that new set of golf clubs. Watch out, Fairway. Here I come. This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big with Progressive, but your other expenses won't just disappear. Are those clubs going to help you when the hot water heater dies? Also, it sounds like your money is better spent on golf lessons. Time to go shoot the course record. No, but maybe time for a reality check. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Modern leaders. It's not just their ability to reason that we value or their eloquence. It's more than their intelligence that we admire. What truly matters is their humanity. Just like modern leaders, the LS is human at heart. Every aspect of the Lexus LS is crafted around you, engineered to a higher standard, the human standard. The new 2021 Lexus LS. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.